Something that the audience might not realize that's cool about Mesa is our mayor speaks Korean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool. Kind of. How yeah. many mayors do you, in America do you think speak Korean? Uh, Have you met any others? You go to these mayor conferences. There are some Korean-American mayors in Southern California. Yeah? Yeah. yeah sure. So do you, do you guys just kind of chit-chat? You know, I haven't had the nerve to walk up to him and say, hey, you, you'd really like me because uh, I can speak your language really poorly. So I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> yeah, that does seem pretty brave. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to test your Korean, if that's okay. Would you? What, oh, would, dear. I'm, I'm willing to humiliate myself in front of anyone who knows a little bit of Korean. I'm going to start with a dangerous one. Oh, dear. My wife is the most wonderful woman in the world. Oh. All right. I'm pressing the button. Uh, let's see how you did. My dear wife is very pretty and very complete. <laughs> Very complete. This is inspired. <laughs> she is very, she completes me. That kimchi is so hot. Cook kimchi nin. Aju me oil. Chonin, uh, chokamita ga chuketsumnida. Let's see. That Mr. Kim is very spicy. <laughs> that Mr. Kim is very spicy. That Mr. Kim. Can, can you just close by singing our theme song? but in Korean. Hong Song Mei Shi Ed Chimmy Iseo. Yes, he did. Hong Song Mei Shi Ed Chimmy Iseo. Yeah. Ego Shi Kyo Ketu Seo. Hong Song Mei Shi Ed Chimmy Iseo. Okay, I actually did that. Apologies to anyone who can carry a tune and the entire Korean people, including North Korea, assuming this podcast ever makes it there. If you haven't driven down Dobson Road in a while, you might not know that Mesa, Arizona has the most vibrant center for Asian culture in the entire Southwest. It's called the Asian District, and it all started with Mekong Plaza, more than 100,000 square feet of supermarket goods and a dozen one-of-a-kind restaurants. But the story of the man behind Mekong Plaza, Peter Quatch, is one for the ages. It's got everything. Rags, riches, inner tubes. Stick with me now. To get to the story, I spoke to Peter's son-in-law, Drew Bertoni. It's Always Cool in Mesa, Episode 4, The Master of Mekong Plaza. Enjoy. Hong Song Mesa Shia Chimmy Iseo. So, Drew, obviously, it, it we see the success of Mekong Plaza, which I, every time I hear you pronounce it, you say Mekong. M- Mekong, Mekong, potato, potato. <laughs> okay. Good. Tell, tell us a little bit about who Peter is. He broke into the grocery business in, in San Francisco originally. Is that right? Yes. So he came to America with no money. All right. He worked seven days a week all the time. He tells a story where he was a, a dishwasher in a restaurant in San Francisco for one night. And I was like, well, what happened? You know, why only one night? Uh, the next night he was promoted to be a busboy. So that's the kind of fire and energy and work ethic that this guy has. So he built his way up just working those kind of jobs until he was working at IBM, putting chips into computer boards and these things and got boosted up into the 
the lead guy when there was a problem on the circuit board. He was the guy that would problem solve it and, and backtrack it. Now there's something you need to understand about Peter at this time. He was only 20 years old, but as the oldest boy who at least spoke a little English, he was the family leader. So he wasn't alone in San Francisco, because where Peter went, the others followed. At one point, there was 15 people living in one house, and that was him and all of his uh, brothers and sisters and their spouses. Wow. And um, he, he made everybody save half of their income. Because in his mind, to live that American dream, he, he wanted to own a business. Peter and his family lived and saved like this for five years. Finally, Peter found someone looking for a partner. So with an investment of $300,000, Peter got his family into the grocery business. The only business Peter had any true experience in. But that was years ago, when Peter helped his dad sell dried seafood in Saigon. And when his apprenticeship was interrupted by world events. The word the world has expected has come. The South Vietnamese government has given up. I met Peter at his market and spoke to him about his life under communist rule. The life terrible, no freedom, nothing. So he planned his escape to a neighboring country and encouraged his family to follow. My father asked me, are you scared? I said, no, I want to go. No matter not what happened, I go. I, I go myself first. Peter bought passage on a boat, unwittingly from a scammer. When he was discovered at sea, they were about to throw him overboard. But a kind man paid his way and saved his life. After days at sea, he arrived at a refugee camp in Malaysia. Eight months later, the rest of the family joined him. So we meet together there. What little money Peter had disappeared quickly, which forced him to get a little creative. They were getting fed the army rations and food, and a lot of the Asian people that were on that refugee camp didn't want to eat that food. So here's where the inner tubes come in. After midnight, when it was pitch black, Peter would get an inner tube and swim out to the Malaysian ships on the horizon. All the way far away. Then you go up. When he finally got to a ship, he would buy as much food as he could afford, all the while doing business in a language he didn't understand. When the deal was made, they'd drop down the food to Peter in a plastic bag. Then he'd make his way back to camp in pitch blackness where he'd sell the goods for a tidy profit. A lot of people waiting for you. When you bring stuff in, people, they want to buy it. So that's kind of how he got started with the grocery stuff. This is a real entrepreneur. But black market commerce in Malaysia and helping his father sell dried seafood in Vietnam was a lot different than running a brick and mortar grocery store in San Francisco. When we're opening, somehow we, we do no good. We lose a lot of money. And the learning curve was immense. It seemed like no matter how hard he and his siblings worked, they fell further and further behind. Every day. I wake up about 4 a.m. He woke up every morning at 4 a.m., his mind racing to figure out how he could borrow the money to cover the daily overdraft fees. After six months, the bank closed his account. His vendors said they would only do business in cash with him because they knew he was going to fail. Naturally, Peter's family was feeling the pressure. My father, my sister, my brother, they say, Peter, close the market, sell everything and go back to work. But working 60 hours a week on circuit boards at IBM 
was not Peter's American dream. Somehow, I, I don't know. I say, no, 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 I would stay. Then I want to go, go. Finally, after a couple of years, things began to slowly turn around. I asked Peter how they were able to survive it. Because my family worked together. If for myself, I don't think I can do it. But the whole family, they hold together, and I think that's the main thing. My whole family held together. That was the key. And over time, they simply got better at what they were doing. They became experts in their different assignments. My sister took care of produce. His Make sister was in charge of produce. My father took care of meat. One brother ran the meat department. The other did seafood. They went from surviving to thriving. They opened a second store, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. But Peter noticed something interesting during this time. A lot of Asian Americans were moving to Arizona. We'll be right back after this break. So, John, this episode is brought to us by the Mesa Chamber of Commerce, and I'm assuming you know these people. The Mesa Chamber of Commerce are, are really, the, uh, they've been like the MVPs in our city throughout the pandemic, particularly for small businesses. Mm. Uh, we, they were a great partner in particularly helping us with with small businesses that needed to become a little more sophisticated. They needed to kind of up their game. They needed to get better at uh, having and using computer systems and uh, understanding social media. So Mesa Chamber of Commerce stepped into that need and did a great job. Uh, and because of those programs, uh, a lot of the small businesses in our city not only survived the pandemic, but they are much stronger than they were before. As a mayor, I'm grateful for the chamber because they have been a lifeline uh, to businesses large and small in our city. If there are businesses out there that would like networking opportunities or just to know more about the resources available to them, I'd encourage them to go to mesachamber.org. Peter had become a successful grocer in one of America's busiest cities, but he was tired of being a tenant, a renter, and Arizona held the promise of an important part of his American dream, property. Again, Peter's son-in-law, Drew Bertoni. So he had some business partners that told him, you know, Arizona's an up-and-coming area, you should take a look. He came out and visited, uh, this is early 2005, drove around prospecting for property, um, looked at a map, and kind of pointed out Mesa. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is central, you know, this is central to Phoenix, Scottsdale, Chandler, Gilbert, everywhere. So they started looking and looking and they found this old Target building. Peter had found his property. All he had to do was make it his and transform it. It wasn't too long ago that Peter's vendors were betting against him and a certain bank closed his account. Now the banks were begging for his business. We, we buy about $4 million. $4 million to buy. And we put about $8 million to remodel. $8 million to remodel. The total, they take about $12 million. For a total of $12 million. Peter had taken a huge risk, but it was happening. He would be an owner, a landlord. Construction began on Mekong Plaza. But two years later, just days before the grand opening. We've had an eight-day losing streak in the Dow that in percentage terms puts it on par, close to that percentage loss, those two days in 1929. Peter's reaction today? <laughs> but 12 years ago, the mood was not so light. We lose a lot of money. 60% vacant. 
Only two, three restaurants. 60% vacancy was expensive. I lower almost two, three million a year. Boom, 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 ow, ow, ow. That's the exact sound of losing $3 million a year. Boom, 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 ow, ow, ow. History was repeating itself. Peter was up early every morning trying to figure out how to save Mekong. But his family's instinct was the same as in California years ago. My brother, sister, my father, put Peter, close Mekong, sell the Mekong, go back to California. However, Peter's reaction was also the same. And I don't know, somehow I still, no. I will find it. Cue hustle music one last time. Luckily, Peter had a safety net, one he and his family had built when they first came to America. Lucky I have the other five stores. If I don't have the other five stores, make them will be gone. Again, Drew Bertoni. It took five plus years until it really got to where it is now. It seems very much like a feel the dreams thing where, you know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened here. And they continue to come. You say you, you literally have a waiting list of businesses that want to move in at Mekong. Yeah. Tell us what the, the plans are for your expansion. So uh, it's codenamed Mekong 88, and uh, we are going to build a building that is going to basically connect to the current Mekong uh, Plaza and uh, add about thirty to 40,000 square feet of some more retail. I keep thinking that the Asian district is going to slow down at some point, but I just have not seen that happening. I mean, it seems like that, if anything, it's picking up steam. Is that the way you're seeing it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just starting to get legs, and um, I'm excited to see where it's going to be. If that was the end of the story, it would be enough, but it's not. Today, what was once called the Dobson Corridor, from Main Street to Southern Avenue, is now called Mesa's Asian District, dotted with almost 100 Asian-themed restaurants and businesses. No city in the Southwest has anything like it. Countless decisions brought Mesa to this moment, but one was more consequential than all the others. Remember the refugee camp in Malaysia? Peter stayed there for 18 months, even though he could have gone to a different country in just three months. I said, I just want to go American. And they said, okay, we accept you, but you have to wait. For Peter, it was worth the wait. America's the bad country. A lot of people come here, nothing, nothing. America's the bad place. Fair, freedom. You can do anything you want. Perhaps Drew wrapped it up best. What does Mekong represent and mean to you? I think it represents, and uh, to me personally, and probably to everybody that's associated with it, family. Um, that's the core value for Asian people is family. And so when you look at Mekong Plaza, it's uh, family owned. It's a mom and pop shop. You know, it's not a big corporation. It's a guy with a family working hard. A guy with a family working hard. In fact, Mekong Plaza survived its darkest days the same way Peter's first store survived. Peter's family followed him here and gave it their all. We spent a lot of work in the market. My sister was good about the produce. His sister was in charge of produce. I'm good about the grocery. His brother was in charge of seafood. You get the picture. The whole family held together. John, when we recorded this podcast with Drew and with Peter, it was before some of these Mm -hmm. horrible events we had across America involving Mm -hmm. hate crimes against Asians. I just wonder, what do you think when you listen Mm. to this story now in relation to that? 
Well, it, it's become even more poignant, hasn't it? I mean, the, 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 the inspiring stories that we see all up and down the Asian corridor and, and our Asian district in, in Mesa are these amazing American success stories. And to see the, the hate and the vitriol that has been focused so unfairly at this community across our country over the last month or two is just heartbreaking. Um, so I think this this story has become more important than it was a month ago, Brian. Uh, we, mm. we all need to uh, to patronize, you know, the, the Asian district. And not only that, we need to, to look at them and say, uh, thank you for being a great American. And, and I'm sorry if, if some people in this country are sending a different message. One other thing has kind of crossed my mind about Peter, and this is something that, that we learned from his son-in-law, Drew. But Peter has spent his life, uh, his adult life now, trying to find that man that saved his life on the boat, that you know, that paid for his ticket and, and helped him avoid being thrown overboard. He has never been able to find that man, but I can't help but thinking, I, I've talked with some of Peter's tenants in the Asian district, and he, he has been extremely understanding and generous to those tenants as they've, they've faced this, uh, this the, the pandemic. He, uh, he feels a sense of uh, humanity and responsibility for these people that uh, that he is the benefactor to, and it, I can't help but think it has something to do with the kindness that he was shown. That's his way of paying back the man that he can't find. There you go. Subscribe to It's Always Cool in Mesa in iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And please rate us and leave a comment.